Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. It's Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert, and we have a fantastic show today. We have a special guest who not only helped a lot of our members get started selling, as they're saying in the chat room, um, she's written what I consider the must-read book for every Amazon seller. I don't care what level you're at, how much you do, whether you just get started, whether you've been doing it like for me, this is my 13th year selling on Amazon, you have to read this. I read it in like three sittings in, in a half hour before my gym class. I'd go early and sit in the corner where it was quiet, and, and it, my jaw was on the floor half the time. So I want everybody to welcome our special guest, Cynthia Stein. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for your kind words. Well, I'm going to give everybody a little bit of background about you so they can, those who are not familiar with you can know where we're coming from. And then we're just going to jump right in. Um, Cynthia has been selling on Amazon for five years, and she wrote the top-selling book, which was called Make Thousands on Amazon in 10 Hours a Week. Um, she also consults and does... Um, suspension prevention, suspension um, reinstatements, lots of the nitty-gritty in the background of Amazon. And Cynthia's here because she wrote this book called Suspension Prevention. So Cynthia, welcome. And tell us how you got started with this whole uh, digging into the suspension issue on Amazon. Well, um, actually, you know, with my first book, um, I was, I started consulting, you know, with other sellers. And on all different kinds of aspects. And last year, I started to get people coming to me who had been suspended. And they said, can you help us get reinstated? And um, so I started that way. And in February, I kind of put out a shingle that said, you know, I do this. And at the end of February, and, um, you know, by June, I was, I was drowning. I was overwhelmed with the, um, with, you know, the number of suspensions. And um, what had happened, uh, I found out later by talking to somebody on the inside of Amazon, is that in the spring, Amazon changed its algorithm and that it uses for suspensions, and it was focusing on problems that they considered product quality problems. And so this is something that they had never really tracked before. They had not suspended people for it before. They had not given people warnings about it before. So it was a complete shock to the entire community and people were getting suspended and they were saying to me, Cynthia, all my metrics are green. I have 100, 100, 100, green, 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 green. What's going on? And um, they didn't understand. And so, um, and they were good sellers and they were selling like they'd always sold. I had clients who had been selling for 10 years and never really had a problem, you know, occasional listing suspension or, you know, minor stuff, right? And so um, that's when I realized that um, things have really fundamentally changed. And, and Amazon didn't tell anyone. They didn't send out a memo, and they didn't say, um, we're going to judge you by this new criteria now. Here's your new metrics. 
So you can't go to Seller Central and see a dashboard of your product quality metrics. Um, and I thought that was really unfair. And so that's, that's why in between uh, doing reinstatements, hiring a team, because I now have uh, five people in the U.S. and seven in the Philippines helping me, um, and I'm still hiring, <laughs> and uh, all of that, I wrote the book because I really wanted people to know what was happening, and I thought it would be so much better if people could avoid getting suspended in the first place. And kind of like, like putting yourself out of a job is what you're, you're hoping to do in a, in a way um, with oh, the book. Yeah. Uh, well, let's put it this way. I, don't, um, I think there will always be some guys who will need me. Um, they'll just be complicated bad boys. But, mm-hmm. um, I, yes, I would like for a lot of people not to need me because – I have other ways to make money because I'm still selling on Amazon <laughs> and I'm still doing other things. So, uh, um, yeah, it's quite all right. I would much rather people say um, I reinstated myself because of this book or I, you know, I've never been suspended because of this book. That would make me very happy. That's an awesome goal. So it's not our imagination that more sellers are getting suspended since the summer. Oh, it's you know it is not. It's absolutely true, and um, I I can only estimate at how many thousands of sellers have possibly been suspended just based on the number that we've handled. Um, and you know, and most people before they come to us, they try to do it themselves. So we get people who failed their own appeals. Um, we get people who are possibly sometimes banned. We tend to be the last resort. And um, and I get it. You know, people think they can handle it themselves because they think that it is the way suspensions used to be. Um, so in the past, especially with performance metric suspensions, yeah, you could usually pretty much say you were sorry, pledge to do better, and um, you know maybe come up with a plan to make sure you didn't have so many late shipments or whatever your problem was there. Mm-hmm. And you were back on the platform in a few days. And as long as you were performing and improving your metrics, uh, you were good, right? It was pretty simple. Um, and, uh, but that's not the same thing that's happening with performance quality. So um, that, uh, it's much harder to get reinstated. They're so backlogged because they had so many of them that it can take three weeks or more to get an answer back from Amazon once you submit your plan. Um, it's bad. <laughs> and it's yeah, no, that's, that's a, a long time to be out of business, you know? Especially heading into fourth quarter. So, yeah. um, you know, most of my clients uh, for the past few weeks have been especially panicked as opposed to really panicked, which is what they usually are. <laughs> <on. laughs> yeah. So what are the major reasons you found in your work that sellers get suspended? Well, like I said, right now, because of the change in the algorithm, most of them are getting suspended for product quality issues. And um, I'll explain what that is, because product quality basically means um, anything that affects the product. So, like, if you buy something off of Amazon and you get the happy box and you open it, and that product is anything less than perfect, then you've got a product quality problem. And so Amazon wants, you know, all the buyers to get perfect products. And um, what they see happening 
is that people get products where maybe the box is a little dinged up. It might show shelfware, especially people who buy from retail, you know, like retail arbitrage or online arbitrage or even liquidators. Sometimes they're sending in boxes that aren't perfect, and they can look a little faded, dirty, scuffed, um, that kind of thing. Sometimes people think that the product is used, and it might be, because uh, I've seen that where people will buy things like from Target or Walmart, but they don't realize that what Target and Walmart did is they took a return and they stuck it back on the shelf. And That's right. I've, I've had that happen buying for me personally, opened up a hairdryer yeah. and it was un, the cords were unwound and all of that. Yeah, so you could tell, and it obviously could open. And, and so that, and then what happens sometimes too is that the, the person returning the product will maybe forget a piece or a part, um, and then, you know, the customer's mad because not only has their product already been opened, but it's not even complete. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where you get a lot of complaints of used, sold as new. And my, you know, my clients are like, I never buy anything used, right? But they do without realizing it, depending on where they're sourcing their inventory. Um, other things that are product quality, um, you know, I mean, that's certainly one of the bigger ones. But things like counterfeit, things like inauthentic, um, again, the, the buyer for some reason thinks it's not real or legit. Um, the uh, uh, the product is defective or damaged, um, or people are just not really thinking things through. Like, I have a lot of health and beauty guys who sell, like, shampoos and conditioners and liquids, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And so to secure, the ones that they're buying don't have, like, the vacuum seal under the lid, right? So they took to adding tape to the lid to make sure it stayed secure, it didn't come off in shipping. Mm-hmm. Well, so the buyer opens the box, they see this shampoo or whatever with a with tape around the lid, and they think that this thing was bought at a garage sale and that it's used or open, that they're being sold something that somebody else has already used at least once. Mm-hmm. So, um, so some of this is common sense. Like if you really think about it, um, but I always have to tell them, you know, no more tape. But I had a guy this week who said, what do you want me to do? I said, you need to recall every item in the warehouse that has tape on it. And he's like, that's thousands of items. I said, it's a really expensive mistake. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, but the perception has to be there. You have to look at things as a buyer, not as a seller. What is right. going to be the perception of the buyer when they get this? So maybe that person needs to get shrink bands and put those on and so they look professional as opposed to tape, you know? Exactly. And I told him to get a shrink wrap machine. Um, and, you know, because it's a small price to pay. Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, well, other things that come up, too, are not really product problems. They're really listing problems. Um, and this may be, like, again, obviously health and beauty just because I've been working on that recently, but there were a lot of health and beauty suspensions. Um, but a lot of times the manufacturer will change the box or the packaging, and and maybe the picture on Amazon is either the old package or it's the new package, and your package doesn't match the listing. Same product, same UPC code, but now instead of the blue with white box, it's the white with blue box, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so somebody gets their product, and they're like, wait a minute, it's supposed to be blue with white. This is white with blue or whatever. And, um, and so <clears throat> that's something that I've had to tell my clients. They can't, 
you know, they can't do that, right? Um, you can't explain after the fact, oh, no, don't worry. It really is legit. Um, you know, so by then the damage is done. And so we have them fix their listing by adding an additional picture. And also sometimes they have to prove to Amazon first that that really is legitimate packaging, right? They If they can show it on another website or on the manufacturer's site. So, I mean, some of this stuff is more complicated to fix. But there are lots of listing errors that people make that then contribute to them being suspended. Um, so we kind of have to, it's almost like remedial Amazon, but we have to mm-hmm. teach people how to check their product against the listing and to understand that nothing can vary. Um, and we've just seen all kinds of things. Even, even sometimes I've had clients who would throw in samples in an order which, again, you're not supposed to do. So then the client is getting something extra, which you would think they would like, right? But um, that's not Amazon policy. And so then they get in trouble for, you know, uh, does not match description, <laughs> which is another yeah, product so, quality complaint. So would you, would you suggest, say you've got that issue with the listing shows the old packaging and now, you know, Tide is in a new bottle or new color bottle, um, you add that new image to your when you list it. Is that what you're suggesting? Oh no, I suggest you add it to the main listing. To the so main listing, okay. That's why you might need Amazon's help to do it because depending on who created the original listing, you may or may not have the ability to add pictures. Okay. So um, if you can add the picture, you know, then that's great. And um, I like I always tell my client to also add to the description as well. The written part, so it says, um, you know, uh, product, you know, appears in multiple packages or something like that. Just mm-hmm. a short sentence, but that, you know, if the customer should complain later, you could say, well, but it was the picture and the listing that said that, you know, alternate packaging. Um, Another mistake that some of my clients make, which is not really product quality, but it gets lumped under product quality, it's, again, another listing problem, is they write descriptions in their personal listing. So, right, you know, Amazon's world, new is new. There is nothing else. You can say nothing else. It's new. But people will write things like, new, except, you know. Yeah, except missing six checkers, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, except for that, um, and that's not allowed. And so what will happen is, of course, they will get um, dinged for things like missing parts or not as advertised or mm-hmm. um, it can show up in different ways. But that's the bottom line is you cannot write anything in your list. You can't even say things like, you know, warranty. Pre- or, yeah, or shipping, free shipping from Amazon or whatever. You know? Yeah. Well, actually, I haven't seen anyone get in trouble for that one. But, um, you know, the Prime guys. I've seen listings suppressed for that, that if some people had entered comments on a product listed anew, if they had entered anything into the the comments field, the condition notes, um, the listing was suppressed. The minute they took them out, the listing came live again. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's a good idea, actually, because there shouldn't be any qualifications if it's new. It's new. Right. Right, and and I was going to say, I've never seen a suspension for that, but I can mm, see okay. what you're saying, that they suppress yeah. the listing. 
um, until you fix it, just like they suppress it now for uh, pricing errors, quote unquote. Um, but that's not a suspendable offense, you know, if you didn't put in the high and low price, right? Um, mm-hmm. and Good, because I, I got think... one of those yesterday. I got a uh, block for possible pricing error, and I went in and put the high and low, and then I was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have like 4,000 books in my inventory, and some of them are old. So as you can imagine, I get new pricing listing errors every week um, to fix. My assistant knows okay. them. <laughs> okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, here's some more books that, you know, they don't have the high-low. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we're fixing so them. I have a question that it came up in chat, and it actually came up with somebody emailed me because they couldn't be here um, live, about um, buying or getting from your manufacturer or buying retail arbitrage products that are just like held together, uh, closed with a piece of scotch tape. Um, the person who wrote me has had issues with that, with customers thinking it had been opened and just taped back together. Has that been an issue for any of your clients? Yes, definitely. And that's why, you know, I'll tell people um, they need to have a shrink wrap machine because uh, especially if it's a case of a lid that people think should be sealed um, and it isn't. you know, sometimes you can get away with those little round stickers, you know, on a box mm-hmm. or something. But if you're dealing with something with a lid, um, it really should be shrink wrapped. So um, and any that other... makes people, yeah, it makes people feel like it it's fresh too. You know. Yeah, and it gets it through shipping better because the other thing that happens a lot is people will, you know, ship stuff and it comes apart in shipping. It makes a big hairy mess, and so the um, the buyer is upset not only because they think their product, you know, may have been used because there's tape there, but they also have this big squishy mess. And I, I'm like, you know, I would say to my clients, aren't you putting these in poly bags as well? And they're like, no. <laughs> so that's the other thing. Shipping and um, product packaging problems uh, also contribute to product quality. And so even though people will say to me, well, isn't Amazon responsible for shipping it to the buyer? I'm like, yes, but you're responsible for making sure it makes it intact to the buyer. And so, um, you know, I've had clients get suspended for product quality problems because their product was getting damaged in Amazon's warehouse. And, you know, Amazon considers that their problem, right? And, you know, one or two problems is not a big deal. Five, 10, 15 problems is a really big deal. And um, so sometimes just some bubble wrap in a poly bag, <laughs> mm-hmm. turns turns everything around. And so, um, you know, I've, I've also had to train my clients to really look at their inventory more carefully and not just, you know, toss it in a box and figure it's, you know, Amazon's problem. Because, you know, even if you are doing FBA, like I said, if it's consistently not getting to the customer intact or the box gets things up, um, and so then people think it's used, right, because it's all scuffed up or torn, um, then that's actually your problem. And, and they, the average customer has no idea how the product gets to them. You know, they right. don't know that it gets shipped to an Amazon warehouse. and They have no idea. All they know is they bought this thing and it came looking all beat up. They don't care that's whose right. problem it is. It's just a problem for them. So last Correct. week I was on a big rant on Thrifting for Profit podcast about um, I bought out a store on Amazon because 
through a bunch of things, the prices were ridiculous. So I had like a thousand items coming. And mm-hmm. this was a store who did not prep their things at all. And about a third of it was beat to pieces from having been in, shipped to the Amazon and been in the Amazon warehouse and getting dinged around and then shipped to me. And I returned all of those things that were beat up like that because I certainly can't resell them. I want pristine things to send to my customers. You know, I'm a, a stickler for that. And it exactly. just showed that what 20 seconds putting a poly bag on something could save, you know? Exactly, or even just a little bit of bubble wrap, because a lot of times things that are in boxes, when you think about like a face cream or, you know, something that's in a little jar in a box Mm -hmm. or even makeup or anything like that, those boxes are not like sturdy cardboard, right? And so it's really easy for them to get damaged um, if they're not protected. Or like I had a guy, a gal, well, a couple, they sold... um, all kinds of makeup, but they consistently what was happening is the the powder compacts and the uh, blush compacts were showing up cracked and damaged. And so the box would look okay, and then they would open it up, and the um, uh, you know the compact inside was cracked and maybe mm-hmm. powder. And right. the thing and the thing is that little box that they put it in the pretty marketing box doesn't protect the product at all. And so if it's got, if it drops or, you know, uh, has a sharp jarring anything, they will break. So even though the box may look okay when they open it, um, inside it's shattered, right? And so it's like, well, I tell people if they're selling these small makeup things, each one of them should be wrapped in big fat bubble wrap and then put it in a poly bag because there is no protection, um, and and that's exactly how those things break is they get shattered inside from who knows being dropped from a height, <laughs> tossed in the UPS van. I don't know. Right. And, thrown, thrown on the conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. And so it's just not worth the hassle. Um, you know, it's like it's one thing to have to deal with the return, right? Which is a bummer because that's just. But you might say, well, that's the cost of doing business. But if Amazon is going to hold your feet to the fire and they might suspend you for having so many of those, then it's like, okay, you got to take extra care. It's worth the bubble wrap. It's worth, you know, I had one guy say to me um, uh, that, that what I proposed he do to package his product, he was selling glass. He said, that would just be too expensive. Um, and I said, why are you selling glass on Amazon? <laughs> well, if, if, if it's, yeah. There's certain things where you just have to realize that it that's not the place to do things, you know? Um, it's too expensive for the, the special boxing and the wrapping and the bowl and all this stuff. Like, don't sell it then. Yeah, <laughs> because you, exactly. you have to get it there perfect. And, you know, you know, obviously your shippers are not treating it with care. But, you know, there's um, – so these are just some of the issues that get – you know, my clients in trouble. And it's very frustrating for them. And, and again, they don't know when does Amazon flip the switch, right? How many of those right. do you get before you're in trouble? And um, we, uh, as I say in my book, you know, we only know by observation, right? Amazon doesn't tell us. They don't, they haven't told us any of this stuff. We just learned it by experience and observation. And um, some of the complaints are worse than others. Okay, so 
counterfeit and inauthentic is much more serious than, you know, maybe a not as described or something like that. And Okay, say that again to everybody. What is the serious one? So like a counterfeit okay. or an inauthentic, but mostly okay. like counterfeit. Like you, you only get a few of those before they shut you down. Whereas there are others you'll see a lot of in your account. Like you sold this new, I don't know what the tipping point is, but it's pretty high because I've had clients who've had 20 or 30 of those in their account. So, you know, I don't know, again, how the algorithm measures, um, but I know like with counterfeit, you'd only, you, you only get a few before you're um, suspended. So I think Amazon is a great place for people who like me who are anal perfectionists. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think that that kind of mindset, which can be really difficult in other situations and stop you from doing things, can be really helpful on Amazon because that's the way they are. You know. Um, yes. So they they want us to be as fanatic about the customer experience as they are, and um, although I don't know if anybody can be quite as fanatic as they are, but, um, you know, you think about how people, like say how the government enacts policy change, right? It's what they choose to tax and not tax, and it changes how people behave. Well, this is what Amazon's doing with its suspension. So the things that it's going after, I can tell what it's trying to change. And I put some of that in my book, and I know nobody has liked that part of my book. But, um, you know, it's clear to me that they are going after people who do retail arbitrage, online arbitrage, and who buy from liquidators. Oh, I agree with you a thousand percent on that. The writing was on the wall like at least a year ago that that's Mm -hmm. the direction they were headed. And that's why I've been, you know how how long I've been pushing wholesale for ever when people were saying I was an idiot for doing it, that my margins weren't big enough and all this kind of stuff. And now I'm just kind of floating along saying, uh, yeah, I'm in a good shape, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely with wholesale you're in better shape. Um, and especially if you get a, a counterfeit claim or inauthentic because you've got your invoices and um, it makes it easier to prove, like, yes, I bought this stuff new. Um, and... Uh, uh, the other thing is drop shipping. They don't like drop shipping, so a lot of the things that they come down hard on people about are what I call the symptoms of drop shipping: late shipments, um, canceled orders. Um, that's why one of the things I tell people is never cancel an order for a client, a buyer, because I had clients who were suspended, and one of the reasons was because of order cancellations. And I was talking to them, and I said, "How come you have so many canceled orders?" And they say, oh, well, you know, our, our, our buyers uh, call us up or email us and they want us to cancel the order, so we cancel it for them. Oh, and they think they're doing the right thing, but they're not. Right, because they're helping out their, their buyer. And I said, you can never do that again. And their product that they sold is one of the kinds of products that people make mistakes with a lot. Think about things like cell phone covers, uh, things like that. Their their product actually was something that fits on your car. So if you get the wrong make and model of your car, like you, the Jeep Cherokee and the Jeep Grand Cherokee, did you mm-hmm. realize they were two different models? <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of people don't, and they own them. 
I knew so, I own the Grand Cherokee. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, a lot of people would order the wrong product, and then they'd be like, oh, wait, mine's the Grand Cherokee or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So they had a lot of people calling to cancel orders and wanting to, get, you know, get the right one. And so um, more so than someone ordering a toy, right? And so we had to fix that problem differently. One, I told them you cannot – you can't have any more canceled orders. So um, you tell the client how to do it. If They can usually do it within the first hour or two of their order. They can do it themselves. and mm-hmm. um, Or you just tell them, oh, I'm sorry, it's already shipped. Okay? And um, just refuse it when it comes to you. Or write return to sender. Don't open the box. Just either refuse it or write return to sender on it and send it back. And then we'll give you a refund. So it seems like a pain. And some of my clients are like, are you kidding? So we're going to basically pay to have this shipped out and all of that. And I'm like, yeah, but Amazon will let you charge them for the shipping. I mean, they changed their mind after the order. Um, and so it's not your fault they ordered the wrong thing. And it's like, that's what you have to do to protect your metrics. But um, one of the things that we did for that client is um, we use Feedback Genius, and we use it to solve problems. Like, lots of people use it for positive feedback, but I use it to solve problems. And and so for this client, who had so many issues with people ordering the wrong product, we sent out an email immediately when the order came in reminding the buyer of what they just bought, asking them to check the dimensions again and make sure and all this stuff, and mm-hmm. giving them a link to where they could go to their order and cancel it if they did so in the first hour or two. They could do it themselves right from that email. And, um, and that made things a lot better because what happened was a lot of people did. They looked at the email. They said, oh, they went and measured the dimensions or whatever, and they're like, oh, I did order the wrong one. And they were able to fix the problem themselves. And, and that's the whole point of you, when they say a plan, that's the kind of plan people need to put in place to solve problems so they don't get to the point where yes. they can become suspension worthy. Yes. And, and that's the other thing, too. You bring up a really good point um, because a lot of people don't understand what Amazon means by you know, send me a plan of action, right? So they either tell Amazon what they did in this particular case, which is fine. You know, here's how we solve today's problem. Um, But they don't tell them how they're going to keep it from happening again, right? So in the case, you know, in this case, you know, our plan would be, uh, again, you know, we don't name any product names, but to use feedback genius and, um, and also to not cancel any more orders, but to direct the buyer on how to do it on Amazon. And, you know, just uh, having a whole thing to ensure that that problem was fixed. And it did. It made a huge difference. I mean, almost overnight that metric improved. And, um, and you know, if the problem's a listing problem, you can't just say, oh, I fixed this listing, which is good. They expect that. But I have my clients check all their listings. And most of them, because usually they have time on their hands, um, (laughs) they have weeks and weeks sometimes. And so I'm like, all right, go and check all your listings. And they always find others that have similar problems. They just haven't gotten dinged for it yet. 
Yeah. And so that's how you, you cut off things in the past. And and I will say, a lot of times the stuff that's happening is not my client's fault. Uh, there may have been an Asian change that they didn't see, right? I mean, we get so many emails from Amazon every day. It's easy to miss something. Um, or, you know, whatever. Something, you know, like, well, hey, wait, when I sent this in, it said blue. Um, but now it says green. You know, oh, you so, had a whole case yourself like that, didn't you? Diaper bags, was it? Or oh, yeah, the diaper bags. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and that was interesting because that was a retail arbitrage induced problem, right? It's not the kind of problem wholesalers ever have. Um, but the store where I had bought my diaper bag, um, they were all of a certain color, and I went and I sent them in, and I didn't realize that they had come in a variety pack, and so they all have the same UPC code, all of the diaper bags in the variety pack. And, um, and so other people were putting up their diaper bags, which were different colors, you know, black, red, uh, gray. Um, and, uh, and we were all right. I mean, we could all, each one of us could prove to Amazon, look, here's the UPC code, here's my product, it matches, um, which was true. But... <laughs> The fact was we had different diaper bags. And so finally, in that case, I just created my own listing and I used my own UPC code. Mm-hmm. So one thing you um, have to. That, that you pointed out in the book that I want everybody, I want you to talk about with everybody, is I don't know if you called it the three strikes rule or the two problems rule or whatever, but it's like you get a, repeat, a, a pattern that repeats more than once on something you need to look into it. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yes. Uh, yeah, my three strikes and you're out. Um, basically, if you look at your imperfect orders report, and I suggest people look at it weekly, um, and it's a, you, it downloads as a spreadsheet, and you can sort it by ASIN. And so what I do is I go through it, and anytime I see, and, and I look at it over a 60-day period, okay, so a rolling 60 days. And so anytime I see two imperfect orders on an ASIN, I investigate, right? You don't have to suspend it or anything, but you should look into it and just see what's happening here. If you have three or more, you should close the listing until you can figure out what's going on and fix the problem. And so it may just be that it's closed for a few hours, but whatever it takes for you to dig down and say, wait a minute, you know, why do I have, you know, these problems? And in Amazon's world, an imperfect order is any order where the customer contacts you for any reason um, after the fact, not including positive feedback. So if they send you an email, if they file an A to Z claim, that's for the merchant fulfilled guys, if they you know, return it, of course, they want their money back, um, any of that. I'm trying to, I think there's something else I'm missing, but negative feedback, of course, any of that is considered an imperfect order. So what's great about the imperfect orders report, if you can say that a report is great, is that it tells you where to look. So the spreadsheet is set up so you can see what the problem was. Like, oh, on this ASIN, three of my clients emailed me and two of them returned the product. So you can go look in the returns report. You can go look in, the, in your messages and see what they're saying. Because when Amazon is looking at your account, the robots um, scan everything. They scan your messages. They scan your 
negative feedback, your returns reports, um, all of it, looking for keywords, your A to Z claims. So, you know, if they pick up on a scary word, like used or counterfeit or fake, Mm -hmm. um, you're not sure where it's coming from necessarily. And, And so the nice thing about the Imperfect Orders Report is it gives you a roadmap. And so, you again, you look at your problem ASIN, the one that has two or more problems, and you can go find out, well, why was it returned? And it may be totally innocuous if you sell, you know, it just could have been returned because they changed their mind. That's fine. happens, especially around Christmas. We're going to see more of that. Or if it's apparel, maybe doesn't fit. Those are all fine. Those are normal returns. But again, if you see something like defective, used, sold as new, um, you know, all, any of those, the, the scary ones, then you need to look into it deeply, right? Like, uh-oh, so that's a problem. So I tell people, anyone who's looking at their ASINs every week, a lot of them, they're going to look at, and they're fine. Nothing wrong here. Normal, normal. They're going to see some, though, they have three or four or more, their problems. And sometimes you have to ask the buyer, why did you think it was, um, oh, Mm -hmm. why did you think it was used? So I always tell my clients, you know, uh, refund them first and then ask them, hey, you know, I'm so sorry that didn't work out for you. Uh, Would you mind telling me why you thought, uh, and I try not to use the trigger words in my email. So, you um, you know, why you thought, you know, what you did or, you know, I try. <laughs> I have to sit there and rack my brain sometimes how to word it without actually using a trigger word. <laughs> but um, anyway. Yeah, you, you wouldn't know, say, you, want to say, why did you think this was counterfeit? Because that ding, 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 ding. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if Amazon really would look at it that way, but I just don't, you know, I'm just paranoid. So um, I try to think of another way. Um, you know, why did you think it, you know, was not why wasn't it what you thought you were buying or, you know, something That's, vague yeah, like that. Roundabout, roundabout way. Yeah. And then they usually tell you. Not, most of them will. You know, some won't. You can't harass them. But you, if you ask, sometimes it gets, you know, it'll really be useful information. You know, one client who swore to me that he had liar buyers, right, that they were just claiming defective so they could get free shipping back. And I said to him, why would they want to return your product? I said, really, think about it. Most of the time, someone buys your product, they want to keep it, right? I mean, yeah, sometimes. But this guy had a lot of issues <laughs> on this ASIN. So, um, and they're not all liars, I told him. So we asked, oh, and lo and behold, you know, we discovered that it was getting dinged up in the warehouse. So it was aluminum, it was soft, and sometimes it would get dimpled. And... So it would show up with dents in it. Um, wow. And so there we go, bubble wrap poly bag, and that problem was solved. So that's what Amazon wants you to do, is they want you to look and see, hey, what's going on? Is it something I can fix? I mean, obviously, if you truly have a defective product, you know, the only way to fix it is to stop selling it, send it back to the manufacturer, Right. Yeah, and there is no shame in stopping selling a product if it's causing you problems because I've done it um, where I got two returns on a product, and this was a couple years ago, but I thought, okay, this is just not, this is not right. There's something wrong with the product. 
And I just stopped selling it. You know, I called back what I had. I donated in the thrift store and moved on. But you you have to be proactive in, in finding those patterns and figuring out what, can you fix them or are they unfixable and you just have to get rid of the product line? Exactly. And and so, and then if nothing else, you found out what the problem was. So if Amazon does come back to you later, you know, and says, hey, what about this ASIN? You say, you know, I looked into that and I stopped selling it because I determined there was a flaw with the product. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, that's a, that's a much better um, plan or, you know, much better appeal to make to them than the, you know, the ones I often have to make for my clients, which is, I didn't realize, but I know it now. <laughs> yeah, and that's a hard one, isn't it, to justify yeah. anything in that one. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. have a couple questions that have come up in chat, and then we'll mm-hmm. move on to um, more thing about reports. Um, and this, um, this is an issue that I think Amazon knows is an issue, um, is getting returns put back into inventory because Amazon thinks they're new, but they're not. You know, that, that hair dryer that got opened but got sent back pristine enough that Amazon doesn't look at the inside and, and said, okay, this is brand new, we're going to put it back. Is it true that there is no way right now to get all your returns sent back to you? Oh, that's not true anymore. Um, you can, what you can do is you can turn that setting off, okay, that, that has them put it back into your inventory and that has no, them I'm repack- not repackaging. No, I'm not talking about the repackaging one. I'm talking about um, a setting that says, okay, Amazon, every customer return I want sent back to me. Um, I, I don't know about that, but if you're not letting them repackage, then it goes into your unfulfillable. Um, and you can just simply, I do this every month, is I just arrange for my unfulfillables to be either destroyed or returned to me. So I no, I, I, a- I, guess I'm, I guess I'm not being clear, and this is a huge issue because it's happened to me and it's happened to a coaching client of mine, is that Bobby Sue returns a, a hair dryer, okay? And uh-huh. she returns it as for whatever reason, um, you know, no longer needed or whatever the reason, ordered wrong thing. Um, she it gets back to Amazon, and Amazon does their cursory look, and we're assuming that we have repackaging turned off, okay? Amazon gives it a cursory look, and because it looks brand new on the outside, they put it back in your inventory as fulfillable. But inside, Bobby Sue had taken the, unwrapped the cords and all that and, and played with it a little and then shoved it back in the box. So it gets put in your inventory as fulfillable, it gets sent out to the next customer who opens it up. Oops, it's used. Well, um, it shouldn't be happening that way if you've turned off the repackaging setting. It does, though. What? And, Cynthia, that's the issue that, that I hope you and, and all of us Amazon sellers can work with on Amazon because it has happened to me personally and to a client of mine. And we had to do – it was a mess to – to figure out a way to get around it. But I think people need to be aware that that is an issue. It is an issue. Um, But what I was going to say is part of the issue is um, every time Amazon makes changes to that program or for whatever reason they reset it, and this is the repackaging program, um, what happens is everybody automatically gets opted back in. Okay, so even if you've opted out, you're suddenly back in. 
Um, so I have my team check that every week to make sure I'm still opted out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, that's issue one, okay? The other thing is when you look at your report, uh, your returns report, and it says that the item is fulfillable and or that it's returned to inventory, it doesn't mean that it's returned to your sellable inventory. Right. So, but in many um, cases it is. Yes, and it can be. Uh, it's not supposed to be. Like you said, it's not working the way it's supposed to. It's not supposed to be when you turn off that repackaging. It's supposed to automatically go into unsellable, and then you should be able to return it. Okay, that's the way it's supposed to work, and I agree it doesn't always work. Um, so one of the things that I do is I create a case when I know something's been returned, and I ask to have that item, that specific item, returned to me. So I go and open up cases. Okay. Um, I don't I don't get that many returns, relatively speaking. Now, some of my clients, this would be a huge task every week, okay? Um, but you know, because they're just getting a lot of returns. But that you can go and say, um, I want, you know, this product, you know, when it's returned from or whatever from person X, order Y, I want it returned to me. Now, it's manual. It's ugly. Um, but you can do it. Um, but I, like I said, I find with most people, just by turning off that setting, they're usually okay. The other thing I suggest, um, usually, obviously not in the case of you and your friend, but the other thing is think about what you're selling, okay? So I have people who insist that their clients return the merchandise, and it's food or it's um, health and beauty or, frankly, it's a book. And I will tell you, in all of those cases, I do not insist on a return. So I you can't resell my, it anyway, you know. I can't, I can't resell it anyway, and I don't think I've ever paid more than $10 for a book in my life. Um, most of them are a dollar or $2. So to me, it's just easier um, just to say keep it, keep the book, keep this, keep that, and you can just get an immediate refund. So what you can do is you can set up for Amazon to handle your refunds for you. Uh, automated returns and refunds, and and you can basically say to them, uh, you know, anything in this category or or these particular ASINs, you can be very specific about your rules, and, you know, these all just get automatic refunds, no need to return. Um, okay, so, so that's, that's for, F- for FBA you're talking, so you can You can say, also set it up okay. for merchant. Um, okay. People don't realize that. So then what you would say is, of course, I want, I want, those things that are returned, I want them returned to me, you know, at this address, right? You know, obviously, they're not going to return them to Amazon. So the reason why you would want to do this um, is twofold. One, you can, um, you can add that link to your Feedback Genius letters, and it's automatic. People click on the link. They go to that page on Amazon, which lets them generate their own shipping label and create their own return and refund. And so it's fast and it's easy. They're less likely to complain. What they really hate is they want to return something, and then it takes hours for the third-party seller to get back to them and to approve it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they want pictures, and, you know, it's, it's not easy. So the easier you make it, the less likely they are to complain. 
Um, I agree with that, yeah, because it's hard. As a seller, when I buy something on Amazon and have to return it, it's hard to find out how to do it. And I know my way around Amazon upside down and backwards. It's still mm-hmm. hard, you know? Right. And so, that, like I said, with feedback, to me, just, what's nice is that every email I send my clients, my buyers, um, has has a nice little little sentence that says, hey, you know, uh, you know, basically says, hey, you know, sometimes, you know, you order something and then you change your mind or it's not quite what you were thinking and you'd like to return it. You know, I just make it real easy and soft. And I said, just click here and you can get your own, you can get a label and get your return back fast, right? Mm-hmm. Get, your re- right. Re- get your refund fast is what I say. And so that, that really eliminates a lot of buyer-liar issues, you know. And when they realize there's a person behind it, too, it sometimes changes people instead of a faceless thing. So if they got an email from you that you signed with your name, um, yeah. it may change some things, too, because then it puts a, a face or a name on the business. Yeah. And, and, again, they're getting immediate help. So even I'm, you know, thinking ahead. So they don't have to contact me to get a refund or a return. They don't have to contact Amazon. They can just do it themselves automatically. It just makes it easier. So things like that, you know, by combining, like I said, in that case, feedback genius with uh, Amazon's automated returns. Um, and, again, like I said, with the returns, you can specify, you know, if it's food, let them keep it. If it's, you know, a toy, make them send it back, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, you can um, specify what you want to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, and just as long as it's, you know, within Amazon's traditional returns policy. Um, so as long as it's nothing weird. But let's just say you've decided that your product, you will take a return anytime. Like you're, you're just saying maybe it's like a private label product you have and your listing says um, 100% satisfaction guarantee. At any time you're not happy, we will give you a full refund. Let's just say it, and it's a vitamin or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can tell Amazon, I want, I want them to be refunded automatically whenever, right? So Amazon's policy is 30 days for most things except after Christmas. And, um, but you could say, no, nope, anytime. They can send it to me two years from now, and you're going to give them their money back. And Amazon's like, okay. So... Uh, just to let you know, you really have a lot of customization available to you, and um, and that's really a slick feature for, like I said, the private label guys who really want to put something out there and make it absolutely, you know, safe Ooh. for someone to try yeah. their product. Um, so but I have another know. question about reports. So you talked about um, the imperfect orders report. What mm-hmm. other reports do you consider essential for us to look at on a very regular basis? Okay, so definitely the returns report. So if you're uh, all SBA, then it's going to be under your fulfillment reports. If you're merchant fulfilled or a hybrid of both, um, there's a, it's under orders. And uh, this is manage returns. And so I suggest people look at those closely every week because that tells you why your client, your buyers are returning things, right? And unfortunately with the SBA report, which is a spreadsheet, um, it's not very detailed. So it's almost like reading a haiku, okay? Um, 
but with the if you're merchant fulfilled, you usually get a lot more details. So this like they'll have paragraphs and statements about why they're returning it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and also your negative feedback. You know, again, you should look at that every week. And um, one of the things I tell people about negative feedback that they don't realize is that unless the buyer removes it themselves, that feedback is with you forever. So when the robots are searching your feedback for tr- key trigger words, you know, even though you've gotten that feedback removed, maybe through the automated system or whatever, or, you know, Amazon said this is an FBA issue, um, it's still there. And hmm. so, so there is some feedback. I tell my clients, so I always tell my clients, look at all your feedback, not just, the, you know, the ones that are still, you know, out there, but look mm-hmm. at past negative ones. Um, and that's one thing if my client does have feedback, this is really nice because they just pull it up for you in a report. Um, otherwise, you have to kind of scan through page by page to look at the uh, feedback that's been X'd out to see if there's any scary trigger words. And what I tell people is if you get a negative feedback and it says, you know, fake, counterfeit, used, uh, any of those product quality problems that, you know, uh, could be a problem, and then, you know, the scary ones, like defective doesn't bother me as much, okay, because that happens, right? Amazon, again, it's just the kind of thing as long as you fix it, right? But mm-hmm. when you see counterfeit or something like that, that's scary, right? That's saying that you're getting your, your product from the, in the wrong source or you're committing fraud on the platform, right? So I try to get the buyer to remove that feedback. So uh, normally that would be the case where if I contact them, write a letter, make them happy, ask them nicely if they would consider removing it. I mean, I have form letters that I use, and I'm able to get a lot of them removed. Even ones up to a year you can go back. Um, And what will happen is after a couple of months, I think 60 days, you can't remove feedback, meaning you, the buyer. But... If you send an email, so basically if the buyer gets back to you and says, oh, sure, I'll help you, man, but, you know, I can't remove it anymore, that's fine because you just take that email to Amazon and say, hey, this guy wants to remove his feedback, ah, good. but he can't, and seller support will take it off for you. Okay, so, good. So that's why I say go back as far as a year. You know, that's as far back as they generally let you look. And um, also your metrics are based on 365 days, right? So, uh, but I would say if you have scary feedback, you should try to get it removed manually. It's a pain, right? The automatic system is way nicer, but um, you don't want to have those scary words sitting in your account um, where they could possibly show up again, even though you've taken care of them. Okay, good Good to know, and I didn't realize that you could get Amazon to do it with that email from the customer, so that's really good to know. Yeah. Um, I have another question um, about um, if you have Amazon selling accounts like on Co.uk or Canada or Japan, um, are mm-hmm. those accounts linked to your U.S. account, or are they standalone separate things? So say your U.S. account goes south and gets suspended, does that – trickle down to your UK and Japan and Canada accounts? Yes and no. (laughs) Okay. It depends on when and how you set them up. 
so um, currently, the way it is, if the currently our all of our accounts are linked, right? Like, if you wanted to sell in Japan today or the UK, then basically your account would be linked, and because you have a universal account, basically. But back when Amazon was first doing all this stuff, um, a lot of times people were setting up separate individual accounts in the UK and other places that were not tied to their original accounts. So technically they did something you're not supposed to be able to do on Amazon, which is they had two separate accounts. But that's, Amazon, where, that's the situation I'm in, and I guess it's because my account's so old. My original yes. account is so old, and my UK account is a couple years old. Yeah. So things have so, changed. Okay. So in your case, let's say you got shut down in the UK, like one of my clients, you probably, you know, I'll put quotes around probably, you probably would not have to worry about your US account. Um, so uh, being shut down. But you would probably lose all of the UK and Europe. Right. So, so how do you know which account you have if you have this universe or unified, I think you called it, or the old kind? Basically, it would just be like when you set up your overseas account. So uh, I can't tell you the exact day things start to change over. Mm, okay. Um, and so that's why, you know, I'm sounding all wishy-washy because basically, yes, they can link your account. So, but if you have the foresight, when you were setting up your account, to set up your UK account completely separately. You had a separate bank account. You had a separate email address. It was a separate credit card. Um, it was completely separate. There's a good chance that a suspension in one would not lead to a suspension in the other. But it might because here's the other thing. They are working to get accounts like yours moved over to the unified accounts. So... Um, you know, pretty soon they're going to have everybody on a unified account and you'll only have one account and you won't have multiple accounts. So, mm -hmm. and actually we've seen some problems come up with that transition for our clients. Um, so anyway, that's, that's why I just tell people it could happen. I've seen it happen where someone would get suspended in Germany and eventually everything would shut down one by one, Europe first. Um, and so uh, it's best not to get suspended anywhere. Okay, so which brings me to the big question. Do you think it's inevitable that everybody will get suspended at one time or another? Or by following the stuff we've talked about and the stuff in the book, you can help protect yourself better? Right. I don't think it's inevitable, not if you know what's going on. And that is that is why I wrote the book, because um, I think that forewarned is forearmed. Um, and just like Amazon today gives us our performance metrics, and most sellers follow those and they don't think it's funded because they, you know, meet Amazon's targets, I think just knowing the new metrics is enough to keep a lot of people out of trouble. Um, I can't guarantee it or swear to God, but for the most part, these are the metrics. These are the, this is where we find the problems, and this is how we fix the problems. And so somebody who looks at the, their, you know, looks at their product quality as carefully as they look at their performance metrics are, should be 
okay. And that's, like I said, exactly why I wrote the book, because I wanted people to not have to be suspended. Okay, I think it's really valuable to know that that if we do things to the best of our ability on the straight and narrow, the odds are much less. Um, and I think the big takeaway I got um, um, from the book, a couple things was the, the whole Darwinism in the Amazon um, corporate culture was very enlightening because I haven't worked in corporate business for 40 years. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing was that there's no institutional memory at Amazon. That was another one. That's right. So even though they put things in your account, they won't necessarily look at that before they talk to you or before they suspend you. So the only time they'll look at something um, is after you've been suspended, right? Then you, you can say, hey, you know, don't you remember you know, you guys gave me permission to sell on this ASIN or, uh, or this or that, or I've already given you my invoices, or, you know, you can say that, and they'll be like, oh, I see that. But nobody will look at it ahead of time. And that drives so many of my clients crazy. You can't imagine. It's like they feel like they have to say things over and over and over and over again to Amazon, which they do. Yeah, and I discovered that, too, that, that, um, just because you know you said it six times doesn't mean you don't have to say it the seventh time, and maybe you know the eighth time or the ninth time. You know, it's yeah. it's, and that's you know that's the way it is. We're dealing with a huge corporation um, with tens of thousands of employees, and it's one of the issues that we have to face if we want to take advantage of this platform. And I personally do. I don't think there's anywhere else in the world where a one-person business in the middle of nowhere could sell half a million dollars worth of product with no employees, no nothing, right. you know. I mean, so I look at that as um, a huge plus, but I have to say for me, there's always a thing in the back of my mind about am I doing everything I can to protect myself, you know. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily a bad way to look at it. Well, I agree, and I will say this, you know, sometimes my clients get in trouble because they're trying to get away with something or they're a little bit greedy or, you know, they kind of push the envelope, like maybe they knew that box wasn't perfect, but they thought, uh, you know what I mean? So there's Mm -hmm. a little bit of that that sometimes goes on. Um, But, you know, the other thing is if you, um, so uh, is to avoid fads, okay, so here's the thing. Things kind of whip through our community like a breeze, right, <laughs> like a tornado sometimes. Uh, you know, remember when everybody was getting ungated and they were paying people to ungate them? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't realize that quite a few of those ungating companies got shut down by Amazon. Okay. I didn't was, know that. I nope, didn't know they that. They didn't advertise it, did they? But it's called manipulation of the platform, and Amazon was angry about it. Okay. It's the same reason that they shut down those people doing the, the paid product reviews, right? And um, that, a lot of them, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the category guys, they just shut down, okay? They didn't, so far, they haven't sued anybody. But um, so, I mean, I just, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but I'm just going to tell you they were punished, <laughs> okay? Um, and so... There's a lot of things that people think, hey, this is a great idea. Let's all do it. And it doesn't necessarily meet Amazon policy or, um, you know, and then 
everybody gets in trouble. Not only the people doing it, but also the sellers. I've had a lot of sellers get suspended because they use those paid product review companies. You know, mm. we get them back on, right? But, you know, they have to swear they're never going to do that again. And um, so I would just be careful of fads. Um, anything that says it's cheap and easy and fun and safe and whatever, if you're going to add it to your selling, you know, company, your business, just make sure you really check it out and check it out against Amazon policy. And if you have any questions about it, like, huh, like I have, I know a company out there who swears they're doing product reviews right. Maybe they are, but I wouldn't hire them because I've just seen too much what happens with the product review thing. And so I just don't, I just, I'm gun shy, right? That's just me. So um, that's the kind of thing I would encourage in everybody else, a little bit of healthy skepticism. And when you see 3,000 people jumping on board with something, somebody needs to step back and just say, is this going to be a problem for me down the road? Yeah, it doesn't sound too good to be true because then it probably is. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. And so, I am very wary of granting anybody um, that I don't know really, really well um, access to my Amazon account for whatever reason, you know, mm-hmm. information about the products I'm selling, all that kind of stuff, because, you know, you, you just, I don't know, you can't trust people with your livelihood in that way. You have to be, protect yourself first. You know, right? Um, it's your livelihood. It is your business. It's your future. It's your kid's future. Whatever the reason you're doing it, but in the end, it comes down to you to protect yourself. And that's why I thought, you know, I've been hitting up my husband every evening. Did you read more Cynthia's book? Did you read more of the book? Because <laughs> I have to tell you, it's very difficult to have a spouse who's an Amazon seller on a whole different account and all of that, because I have all this stuff in my head. And I can't remember what I've told him and what I haven't coached him on and what he knows and all that kind of stuff. So this was like a lifesaver for me to say, read the book, because then I don't have to tell you again, you know, um, <laughs> kind of thing. It's like, so, yeah, he's, he's um, it's woken him up, too. Um, and I don't think in a bad way. It is a bit scary, but forewarned is forearmed, you know. Um, mm-hmm. you, can then, you can then put stuff into place um, that will protect you. And I have to say, when I had two, um, two of the same item returned right when I was reading the book about two weeks ago, and both of them said not as described. And I immediately shut down that listing, and I had six of them left, and I had them returned to me. Because I said, okay, I could have mislabeled them. What could have happened, you know? I got mm-hmm. them back, and they were fine. Uh, the, it was perfect. The listing was perfect. So it was just one of those perfect storms where two people decided maybe they didn't like the color of the yarn, you know, and said, okay, I'll just, you know. Mm-hmm. It said it was slate, and it's actually, you know, um, dove gray, something like that. So um, so I think it it woke me up that I need to be really proactive when I see that pattern. And that was a pattern to me, two of them, because I learned two two is you got to really dig in and figure it out. So, yeah, um, yeah, investigate at least. Um, yeah, and then and then you know you may decide like you did. Oh, I need to shut this down or, or whatever. I mean, sometimes usually not as described as a listing problem. Um, so sometimes that's easy to fix just by fixing the listing. Right. Sometimes. So I, Cynthia, I am so glad you joined us today, and I hope 
like when things calm down after Q4, you can come back and, and talk more about about um, just the whole Amazon culture and how things work and all that. Because I know everybody in chat is saying they've learned a lot. And I've put a link to Cynthia's book in the chat room, and it is also in the Facebook group. Um, Cynthia, I'm going to ask you this off the cuff, um, and uh, you're not on the hook or anything. But if I added you to the Facebook group, it's a, a private group, do you think if you had a moment or two once in a while, you could answer a question in there? Yeah, that, that would be fine. I mean, I, I don't expect you to be in there every day and all in that. But, you know, if, if we get, you know, some really thoughtful questions about issues, you know, just put your two cents in now and then. Sure. No, that would be fine. I, I try to do that on Facebook when I can, you know. Sometimes I, I admit I'll go a couple of days before I'm on there just because I'm so busy. But oh, well, yeah. um, I do try to answer people's questions, and um, I'm happy to do that for your group. Oh, that is so awesome because you are, you're the woman. You know, you have, got, you have really opened that door on Amazon, and, you know, my hope would be someday that Amazon would put together a focus group of third-party sellers and have people like you and hopefully me um, just go talk to them about what it's like in our world, you know. Um, right. I think that would be an interesting exercise because I don't think they realize what it is like on the other side of the fence, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that I know for a fact. They have no clue what it's like for us. You know, just as a one last thing, one thing I discovered that shocked me was that all the people in seller performance, none of them have ever even been inside Seller Central. So they don't wow. even know where the reports are. They don't know what we're looking at. They don't know what we get, right? They, have, they are so clueless about our world. <laughs> Of sellers, that's and they just, amazing. They so only see it from their own filters of what the robots bring them, and I couldn't believe it. I, I met with a former Amazonian she, who used to work in seller uh, performance, and she was telling me this, and and, I, and she says, "No, I started looking around Seller Central, and I'm like, how does anybody find anything in here?" <laughs> wow, like, that's funny. <laughs> Now you know what we lived through, right? If they exactly. knew what we had to do to get information on reports. I mean, like the returns and reimbursements thing, I could invent a report and say, okay, you need to put the order number, when it was refunded, was it returned, or was it reimbursed? In one report, that would save us untold hours, you know? But no, yeah. they don't do that, you know? Uh, yeah, we have to look across multiple reports. I mean, that's why I started with Perfect orders because it's kind of my my roadmap. I'm like, oh, okay, I can see. Uh, I need to look at. I need to look at some messages, some returns. You know, I need. You know, I can see what I need to look at. Um, but yeah, wouldn't it be nice if they gave us metrics and they gave us a dashboard, just like with performance? Yeah, because then we would yeah. not have to be um, flailing around in the dark trying to figure out you know, what they mean by this terminology. Just tell us, you know, so. Yes. So, um, Cynthia, what is the website where people can find more information out about you? Okay, so I have two websites, but the one that deals with this topic is very easy to remember. It's suspensionprevention.com, and there's information on my services and my book there. And then where my blog is, and where I kind of have all the information on just sort of selling on Amazon is uh, online sales 
stepbystep.com. And that's a plural, so it's online sales, stepbystep.com. I put it in the chat. Thank you. So, yeah, those two sites cover me from beginning to end. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I know how busy you are with, with, what, you said 13 people total helping you, um, your team, do this. So I appreciate you taking the time to share with us and the Wholesale Sourcing Experts members this really valuable information. And um, thank you, and I hope you have a great Q4, and I hope we talk to you soon too, Cynthia. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. So I'll talk to you next year. (laughs) Okay, bye-bye. And bye, Bye. everybody. We're glad you joined us on the call. Um, If you have any questions, head on over to the Facebook group. I'm going to terminate the call, as they call it here on TalkShoe. And I'll see you in about 45 minutes if you want to join me on Thrifting for Profit. Uh, Same place, little different location on the block. So talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.